0: Welcome to the Limitless Possibilities podcast, episode number forty. My name is Zach Johnson. I'm really excited that each and every one of you here, whether you're a longtime listener that's been here since the beginning, you're somebody that just picked it up because of who's today's guest is, or somebody that picked it up about halfway through and has really loved the messages and some of the inspiring stories that have been featured. I truly appreciate each and every one of you, and if you'd like to be able to give back to me and show me how much you appreciate the messages and some of the interviews coming on, it would just easily head on over to social media like and follow each one of the social media pages on instagram facebook twitter or on youtube as well as heading on over to itunes and leaving a rating and reviews that goes a long way for me to help truly growing the show and getting into the charts as well as being able to pull in more Amazing guest. Each and every one of the guests that I've been able to feature so far has has an amazing story, an amazing message, and I want to be able to continue connecting with as many amazing people as I've been able to. Moving forward to bringing those great messages to each and every one of you. So if you could do that, that would go a long way and truly help the show. I'm really excited for today's guest. Is he somebody that was a former opponent of myself, but we connected in a different way? Some people. You meet when they're an opponent in sports, and you instantly know, I don't like that guy. You know, looking across the field, you're, I don't like him. And he was that guy. You're playing against him. He's that scrappy, kind of no nonsense, but kind of had a little bit of a flair to him when playing. But you talk to him away from the field, and truly down-to-earth, very level-headed person, and I really enjoy Each and every day of conversation that I've had with him and it it comes to really bring to light that our initial perception of somebody doesn't necessarily always have to be the reality of who they are the reality of the relationship if I would have went on my initial perception of being an opponent and playing against him him and I would have never continued conversations and I wouldn't be bringing the interview to you today. I'm sure you'll see it during the interview that he's very level-headed and has talked about some amazing experiences. He came from a small school and was able to find success playing professionally and just has stayed very humble through a lot of different things and truly leans on his faith to be able to continue doing that. So I'm really excited to bring Grant Arnold's interview to you today. If you haven't done so already, definitely check out the podcast sponsor, Timo My. There stands for Out Hustle My Yesterday, and it truly is a brand that stands behind their message. The creator of the company, Duncan Sorso, has been featured on the podcast. He had an amazing interview and a very enlightening story for a lot of people. And the one thing that really, for me, stands out about the brand is that no matter what we're doing, whether it be in business, whether it be in sports, whether it just be in day-to-day life, we can always do something to make better or out hustle already yesterday. If you're a longtime listener, you'll know that I've talked about the book Atomic Habits. And that's one of the things that he really hones in on and talks about is just finding those incremental improvements each and every day to be able to get better. And I really love the brand message because out hustling your yesterday truly is what will help you get that 1% better each and every day. So definitely head on over and check out their new line. He's got some amazing products coming out. I recently received a gift package with all of the goodies with between a beanie or a toque, sweaters, as well as t-shirts, and I wear them each and every day because not only the quality is absolutely amazing but the message that is behind it is so great and you get the bands with them you would be able to look down at your wrist and kind of feel that moment of inspiration and it truly is amazing so definitely check them out at My. so it's t-e-a-m-o-h-m-y.com use the code limitless to save 15% off site-wide now let's head on over to the interview with Grant I'll catch you on the other side Next on the Limitless Possibilities podcast, really excited to have on from Scott City, Kansas, the University of St. Mary baseball player. He got a Bachelor of Biology, then moved on to get a Master's from Benedictine College, is a former professional baseball player. Grant Arnold, welcome to the show.
1: I appreciate you having me, man. It's been a... it's been a long long year
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely it's good to good to catch up after playing against each other and getting to know each other a little bit and obviously excited to share your story coming from a little bit smaller school background and growing from there and kind of uh obviously kind of paving your own path so it's been uh, interesting to catch up and definitely excited for everybody here for sure for sure
1: man i'm excited
0: Yeah. So obviously growing up in Kansas, um, you know, it's not known as being a hotbed for baseball. It's more known for football. It's, uh, you know, very football centric. And I know you were a, you know, a two sport athlete playing, playing football. What kind of drove you towards playing baseball, I guess, coming out or what was the, what was the final decision, I guess, going from football to playing baseball and going to college?
1: Yeah, man. Every I think I started playing tackle football when I was like in I think third grade. Honestly, um, my dad was my coach ever since I was little with football and and usually baseball too. And <clears throat> kind of got to play for him uh, in high school. And you know, I, I was really kind of torn. Um, I usually I originally decided I was going to go play football. It's kind of what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and then ended up you know stuff kind of happened. I um, ended up you know playing baseball in college. And when I got to got to college. I was uh, the football team there. They kind of asked me, you know, we'd love for you to come play quarterback for us. Da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, yeah, you know, I just, you know, I really like baseball. It's kind of my thing. Um, but you know, I got the itch to it, man. And, and I like to compete and I was like, you know, I'm going to go try this out. And <clears throat> so I went out there and I found out real quick that that football was my dad. Nice thing. And, uh, and, and baseball was my thing. Um, and I guess that's just kind of the love that I've always had for it. Um, <laughs> is it's something that, it's always been my thing. Um, and, and I just kind of get lost in a in game and I love to compete. It's every pitch, uh, it's every inning, every out. And it's just kind of, uh, kind of the way I am, um, kind of growing up. I just, I love to be on the field. I love the practice. I love to hit to play catch. It was just everything about the sport was, was something I fell in love with, from from a very young age. So it just kind of, kind of became my thing, I guess.
0: And so obviously, you know, the kind of what you're talking about, the grind of baseball, you went to a smaller school and you're playing in the NAI, which obviously for anybody that doesn't know the NAI in the Midwest or, you know, the smaller schools in the NAI, some of the travel and some of the, you know, some of the weather that you play in, maybe kind of dive into that. Like what were some of your experiences playing there, whether it be some of the weather that you experienced or just maybe in some of the, you know, accommodations and things like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, I could I could probably go on for a while about stories of the NAIA. But um uh, it was just it was crazy, you know. We when I kind of describe NAIA is we played teams that <clears throat> that had the D one bounce backs who, who got kicked out or got in trouble or didn't make the grades or whatever. And so we saw some guys that, you know, were good. Um, but and then we saw some other guys that I don't know if they would have made my high school team, to be honest with you. And the, the travel was kind of weird, especially being in midwest, and I was kinda in like the, the northeastern corner, so we played all the way out in like central Kansas and be like a Thursday and we'd drive on a bus for four hours and play double header and sometimes have to come back and get home at two three in the morning, go to class at eight. That's what I was supposed to do uh, maybe miss that a few times yeah. uh, and and starting early in the spring too I mean I played when it was snowing outside I mean it was just it was crazy, um, but it, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed my teammates. Uh, they're some of my best friends uh, to this day. I think I've been in more weddings the past year than I can count or ever once it's count. Um, and. Yeah, that, that's the kind of thing where, um, especially being in AI, you got to love what you do because uh, it's going to test your love for it. Cause you're not going to succeed all the time, no matter how good you are in high school or, or how good you think you are. Um, baseball is a grind and it, it's a sport of failure, as you know. So, um, you just kind of gotta, you gotta surround yourself with good people and, and you got to push yourself to, to get better every day. And if you don't the AI, will. Um, so it was a, it was a grind, but I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I've played for four years and, played in a lot of cool places, a lot of good teammates, played against a lot of good guys that I uh, I would never have got to experience if I hadn't gone there. So I'm grateful.
0: And it, and it, it, it's interesting too because I'm sure you've had a conversation, you know, with somebody along the line And yeah, I played college baseball. And immediately from them, they had this painted picture that you had, everything rolled out for you, red carpet. And and that's kind of why I wanted you to kind of explain you know, obviously you're playing when it's snowing or, you know, I've, you know, I've heard stories of some buddies that have gone out and played at some Midwest schools, maybe in Iowa or something like that. And mm-hmm. they've had to shovel the field off to play. Oh,
1: you did know, that. And, yeah, <laughs>
0: and, and right. And so it's interesting because people have this perspective of saying, oh, yeah, you play college baseball, you know, oh, it was sunny all the time. And, you know, you had luxury of comedies, you're traveling on charter buses and stuff they don't realize you know the grind of it and so that's kind of yeah definitely wanted you to share that i mean i thankfully didn't ever have to do that when i got to college <laughs> playing in california but i certainly know there was a lot of people that you know playing yeah. in the midwest went through it right
1: no this is different we had buses break down like you get five dollars for meal money like <laughs> You get, you're, you're lucky if you get two t-shirts and a pair of shorts. Uh, yeah. And baseball outside the Midwest in the spring is, and it's not ideal. You got to love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and then the, you know, the mentality that comes from it too, you know, obviously, like you said, you have to find the love, you have to find the grind and really kind of fall in love with it. I'm sure along the line, you guys had lots of kids that maybe came in quite talented players, but they couldn't get through the grind and maybe they didn't reach their potential or they just fell off completely. With playing through that, obviously, you know, you've moved on and played professionally, but do you think that that really set you forward moving forward in life as far as the mentality being like, all right, you know what? I got through the bus breaking down. I played when we probably shouldn't have been playing. You know, I did all these different things. You can kind of face anything moving forward.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of one of my favorite stories to tell about my career was I didn't even, like don't, I I don't, you know, y'all play in the Pecos league and, and whatnot, but I my the shortstop before me at St. Mary, he's one of my best friends to this day, Devon Poole. He um played there the year before me. Um and he, was, and, then he and he played very well down there. And he was like, you know, Granny, like I'm gonna talk to the GM down there and we'll see what we can do. He's like, I really think you can succeed down here. You know, I did, and I'm like, okay, you know, we'll see. Played my last year or whatever, and, and got down there. And he's like, hey, like they're trying to like, you know, bump up the league or whatever and get more talent down there. So he's like, I got you an invite to spring training. He's like, that's the best I could do. I'm like, okay, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like I'll play my way on. That's fine. Um, I went down there and I was the only NAIA guy, um, that was at spring training. We had one other division two guy. Everybody else was division one or had affiliated time already. And so I got down there and at first it was a little intimidating for me. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not somebody who gets intimidated or usually. Playing against me, you probably know that. Um, and I got down there, and I was like, "Wow, these are some these are some really good guys." And and then I thought about it, and I was like, "You know, baseball's baseball is <clears> baseball, <throat> and and I'm a competitor. <clears throat> Excuse me, and and I love to compete. Um, so I went down there, and I was like, "You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go balls to the wall. I'm gonna do a hundred things as fast as I can, as hard as I can. You know, if it works out, it works out great." And and I'm one of those guys that I see better, I get better. Um and that's kind of what happened down there was about the end of the week they were like, You played where? And I'm like, you know, it, it happened that way. And just but I'm I'm thankful that I grinded through those, you know, four years of, of playing there to got down and go to spring training in Arizona where it was sunny and the weather was nice. And they're complaining how it's too hot. I'm like, Y'all have no idea. <laughs> like this is <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but no, I I definitely do think, you know, the the trials and the tribulations. <clears throat> you know, prior, definitely, definitely helped me down there for sure.
0: And so for the, for the people that don't know, the Pecos league is an independent league and I know obviously you touched on what affiliate is. And so a lot of people automatically think, Oh, professional baseball, right. You're playing for an affiliate, you're playing, you know, in the reds organization or the Yankees, when you're going to the Pecos league, obviously you're saying, you're trying out against guys that are D one, you know, guys that are kickbacks from affiliate ball. Mm-hmm. What is the difference going from, you know, college to that professional atmosphere, regardless of what, you know, the, the level of the professional league is, do you think? I
1: think one of the biggest things for me, it was like, you know, I've always been a team guy. Like, I want to see the team succeed. I want to see the team do well. And they got down there and it was, it was like, Hey man, I don't really care if you went over four. Like I went four for four and I'm trying to get pops. Like it's just, the atmosphere was different. I mean, I mean, not that guys that didn't care about you, but it was just different. I mean, everybody's out for their own, like you gotta go get your money. And uh, I really enjoyed that aspect too of it a little bit because you get to compete with yourself and then you can kind of compete with people around you and, and, uh, and, and just kind of better yourself in that sense, I guess. Um, that, that was an investment for me because I was always like trying to help people out. Like, Oh, it's okay. Like, no, dude, like, it's okay. Like you gotta worry about you. (laughs) Um, but no, I had a good time with it, and th- and those are still some of the most talented people I've ever played with, um, and I enjoyed that. Like I said, I I see better, I get better, I surround myself with people who who are better than what I'm used to being around, and I want to get to that level. Um, and-, and that was a thing for me that I think helped me a lot down there. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a different atmosphere, um, definitely a-, a different level of talent. Um, but it was a good time. I had a had a, had a pretty good experience down there, so.
0: Yeah, and right there, exactly what you talked about too is you know you go from university. Obviously, the the team camaraderie is so huge, right? Regardless of what college team you play on, there's a you know pretty deep connection. Guys are just at school, just want to you know you want to have a good team record, and then you get to professional, and like you said, that obviously you want the team to do well, but guys sometimes you know are a little bit more concerned about it. Did you run into any you know situations where it was kind of maybe eye opening where? you were maybe trying to be buddies with somebody and not really knowing, they were a little bit more seasoned, so so to say, and you were maybe <laughs> trying to be buddies with somebody and all of a sudden you recognize like, oh, okay, there's a little bit more competitiveness even amongst friends. Like the the old saying is always, there's honor amongst thieves, but it basically, in pro ball, right? It's kind of, there's that weird line, right? there's that mutual respect, but then there's also that like, I'm gonna go out and take your job from you and then hang out with you later.
1: Yeah, no, I and I kind of, I think probably the best story for that was I played with Jose Reyes, his little cousin, um, when I was down in the pickups League. And he had got there, like, kind of in the beginning of our season. So we kind of already had, like, our lineup or whatever. And I played short, he played second. And I could kind of tell he wanted to play short, which you know i'm a white guy playing middle infield and professional ball i'm I'm pretty much a unicorn at this point um but and i could just kind of tell he was like like i was trying to communicate with him because his english wasn't super great but i you know as a middle infield you got to have that connection so I, I you know i wanted to have that with him to where i could know where he is and and he could know where i am and and kind of see where we're at from there and uh yeah no he was he was really good um as long as as long as he hit a little bit better than me, he, we were great friends. <laughs> but uh, if I had a better game than he did or something, it, he was just kind of eh, kind of standoffish or whatever, which is fine. Like I'm, I completely understand that. Um, but but yeah, it would, like you said, "honor among thieves" is a uh, is a generous term um, for, for <laughs> the whole world. So I uh, but I had a great time. He was a really good guy. He was super super talented. Um, I learned a lot from him. Um, just. I'm kind of talking to him about the guys he's been around um, just from his family. Uh, It was, it was super, super cool. Um, But, but yeah, that, I want to see you do good, but not, not better than me kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I uh, fully understand that now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And that is something that a lot of guys that I know that have gone on to either, you know, get drafted and sign or guys that have gone on to like yourself, go to a tryout and make a, you know, independent league or whatever the case is in transitioning into professional ball some guys take it run with it and some guys get really heavily lost in the anxiety and stress of it because you can't be a people pleaser and succeed because you're going to get dominated. Did you ever run up against it where either yourself or some of the guys around you kind of saw like the anxiety or like stress or depression kind of kick in because of that difference of mentality?
1: I think early on down there, um, in Arizona, that like first couple days of spring training, like, I don't make a whole bunch of errors in the, in the infield and and I, I made one and like I kind of let it eat me alive for that the rest of that day and I got lucky there was a, my roommate down there for that whole entire week he was he's a Midwest guy <clears throat> Clay Miller actually not playing with in Canada one of my best friends to this day too we we were both the only Midwest guys that were going down there um, and so we kind of got hooked up on social media and um, and, and kind of roomed the other down there and ended up being best friends and <clears throat> that he kind of let me talk about it because he had gotten drafted by the Royals out of high school. Um, so he, he had a little more of that mentality, I guess, than I did. And he was like, dude, you just gotta let it go. He was like, it's just the next one. And, and I'm i I'm a, I'm a perfectionist now I want to do everything that's perfect. And I knew I, I knew I pretty much had to do that down there in order to get noticed because of where I came from. Um, so uh, but yeah, that was definitely something with with the mentality of it that I was like, man, if I make this error, if I don't make this throw, if I I I'm, I'm, I bought this ball or whatever, it was different for me, um, and and I had to learn to just kind of like just let it go, like just yeah, keep going, yeah, keep playing, and and I, I did learn that down there early on, and it helped me out through the week. Um, Cause nobody's perfect. perfect, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely was a different mindset that I uh, that I had to kind of adapt to for sure.
0: Yeah, and experiencing it myself too you know, like you said, in college, you make an error and, you know, somebody comes up to you and, Hey man, you're good. You make yeah. an error in pro ball. And also the guy that's behind you on the depth charts looking like, Hey, good, good. Yeah. It's, it's, happened. yeah, exactly. It's, it's a different, uh, it's different for sure. So obviously, you know, you had quite a bit of experience there. Um, had you tried to do some different I guess, tryouts or try to get into some of the other indie leagues in the States before ultimately landing in the IBL. Kind of what was that process like? Because I think for a lot of people, again, they don't really know what that's like, right? Most guys, <clears throat> most guys, unless you're an affiliate guy, unless you're somebody whose parents had any you know, connections or anything like that, yep. you're out there grinding, you're being a salesman for yourself, right? <laughs> so what was kind of that process like and how did that... Um, kind of help you transition, I guess, into obviously what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, no, I just, it was really hard. Like, I mean, it was hard in general getting the Pecos League. I mean, coming from an NAIA school, like I went down to Arizona for a week, not knowing anybody, paying for my own hotel for a week, like basically saying like, I'm here, I'm going to do this just because I got to chase my dream because that's what's inside of me. And I, you know, end up playing really well in that Pecos League and, kind of got out of it and I was like okay like I'm not going back there like I know I can succeed at that level I want to go higher mm-hmm. and looking around like different trials and stuff and would send my stats I think to thousands of GMs around the United States and even Mexico a little bit too but like oh then they respond back hey that looks good like do you have any affiliated time or what division one school did you go to mm-hmm. and I'm like none and none mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's really hard to, like, convince somebody, like, hey, but, like, I can play. Like, you just got to see it. And it was so hard kind of doing that. And it got to the point, too, where I was just like, man, like, I can go back to the Vegas League because I know they want me to play there. But I it was a pride thing for me. I was like, I'm not going back there. Like, i either need to progress with this or I need to swallow the pill and, and be done. And um, the one I'm really kind of biased about, it too, is a affiliate team um, the can T-bones that are like... And basically, in my backyard, um, literally probably thirty minutes from where I went to college, mm-hmm. and I would have killed to play for them. Um, it's you know all really close to my family. Um, they would have got to see me play all the time. Like it was, it was a really nice stadium, really good league. Tried everything I could to. to I mean, I knew people who worked at the stadium, and they're like, "Hey, kid, like, da, 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 like, hey, yeah, we'll give you a call." Nothing, and it really kind of it really kind of really hurt me because. I mean, it was, they, they talk about, you know, boosting, you know, sales tickets and, you know, wanting to get the local kids back. And I'm like, you, you don't, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm right here in your backyard. I've proven that I could hit, you know, professional pitching. I've I've proven I could play at a professional level and didn't really get the, uh, the attention that I thought I deserved from it. Um, which is fine. I mean, I ended up in Canada and got to meet you guys. Uh, I best two years of baseball ever as awesome up there. I, uh, made some of my best friends up there as well. But, but yeah, it was definitely hard. Um, just kind of, I guess, somewhat convincing people that you're not what your, what your bio says, I guess. Um, but, but very thankful for I, where I landed up in the IBL and, and playing ASU. And um, I had a really good time and it it worked out for the best for sure.
0: So, During that process, how did you ultimately end up landing in the IBL? Did you even know about the league or was it kind of something that just fell into your lap? Like how did that kind of come about? Because I think that obviously we've talked about it. I think that's kind of one of those leagues that's kind of a hidden gem. If you look at some of the talent, you know, we were talking about before the interview, there's MLB guys going there to play. You know, you're you're facing one or two ex AAA, you know, MLB guys a week and A lot of guys don't know. I mean, obviously some of my teammates were the Cuban national team guys, you know, you guys had some former, you know, triple a flamethrowers in your bullpen and, you know, it's, it's really interesting and nobody knows that league exists. So how did you kind of fall onto that?
1: Yeah. Like you said, nobody, like when I signed up there, all my friends are like, you're going where? Like, huh? (laughs) Um, I was one of my friends in the Pecos League, uh his name's Jake. He plays the Black Sox, which is basically like one of those guys who he runs this organization where he just kind of basically takes a bunch of indie guys who don't have a team, um, and like kind of takes down spring training sites and you play in from scouts and like other like frontier American other indie ball scouts they'll come and like you play well, cool, they'll pick you up. If not, like no worries. But I was in grad school, so I really couldn't couldn't really do that. Um uh, so I was talking to the GM and he had saw me play in, um, in the Pecos League and he's like, honestly, he's like, if you can't do this right now because of school, you need to check out the IBO. And I was like, what is the IBL? <laughs> I have no idea what that is. And then kind of did my research on it and I was like, wow, like this is a league where like, like you said, like extra play guys, like major league guys, like affiliate guys, they go up here and like, they succeed. Like they, and then, you know, like we were talking earlier, they get popped from there and sign up with other leagues and stuff. And I was like, okay, like, you know, this might be a good thing. I'll give it a try. Kind of like what I talked about earlier, emailed every, every GM, I think I could in that league. And, and Jeff Lounsbury and Hamilton got back to me and was like, Hey, um, you know, I think, you know, this could work. You know, we're kind of in the midst of like a rebuild. Like if that's something you want to be a part of, like, let me know. And, knowing baseball guy 100% I'm there let me know when Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and so yeah I kind of I guess I kind of found them then they kind of found me through the Black Sox stuff but um but yeah I got up there and it was such a cool experience and actually ended up when I was talking to Jeff we kind of got closer throughout that spring and he's like well do you have any other friends and I was like I got all kinds of friends who want to play Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so ended up taking two guys that I was in Arizona with took them with me um Zach Gonzalez and Josh Freeman, I know you, you hit against them both. They were both pitchers and ended up taking them with me and, you know, we kind of went from there, but, uh, yeah, it was a cool thing. And they had never heard about the IBL either. Um, they were like, Grant, like Zach, Zach is from Florida. And he was like, you want me to go to Canada to play baseball? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, just trust me. Like, I think that's going to be a cool thing. And, uh, Josh is from Alabama too. And he was like, dude, I'm not going to Canada. It's but no, it worked out for the best. And uh, like you said, it is a really hidden gem. And I think it's grown the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it is definitely a, definitely a lead I think people, more people should, should put on notice. Because like you said, there's some guys up there that, uh, for whatever reason, couldn't land an indie Mall spot in the States. So,
0: And it's such a, it's such a unique blend of characters too, right? Like throughout the league, obviously you have the Canadian, you know, you have the Canadian talent, you have the Canadian guys that are there. You have the guys that don't count as imports that come in like myself from Europe or wherever. (laughs) And then you have, you know, then you do have the import rules and the way it's set up to the parody in the league is really close. I mean, obviously you have the teams that are at the top and you have the team, but any given night, it's actually really good games. Like there's no, so coming from, you know, obviously expectation of what you thought it was going to be to reality. How different was that? I guess, kind of going to Canada and being, because obviously, you know, nobody thinks other than the blue Jays, nobody thinks <laughs> Canada and baseball, right?
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's, I've always known Canada for hockey, like everybody else in the world. Uh, so I kind of went up there and I was like, yeah, you know, like I was pretty confident in myself. And, and you know, I was like, I'm, I'm playing the Pecos League. I can succeed up here. Just kind of like being around the guys on our team and stuff. And then I think my first game was at Brantford. Um, what it was, And they brought some guy who played for the Red Sox. And like first pitch was like 96. And I'm like, Whoa. like what is this? Uh, and I, and he starts screaming at me in Spanish, and I'm like, "Well, I'm yeah, I'm here. Let's do it." So it was a it was an eye opening thing too. It's um, just not having any idea what I was getting myself into, um, like I usually don't. Uh, it's just it was another opportunity for me to compete and and play the game I love. And that first pitch, it really opened me up, and I was like, "All right, let's do it." Like I'm here. I'm I want to play, and um, it was it was so fun. My dad actually got to come down and watch that first game, and. He was like, "You're gonna have your hands full down here." He's like, "This is a <laughs> lot of," me. and I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the challenge." And and it was a grind, but I, I had so much, so much fun, dude. I just it, people were so nice to me. knowing I mean, I'd never been to Canada before. I didn't know what punteen was. I didn't know what anything was there. <laughs> but it was such a good time. But yeah, it was uh, it was definitely eye opening experience how competitive the league it was, and and the quality of talent um, was something that I really didn't expect. But definitely. So.
0: Mm. And so obviously, while you were there had some great success your first year, and then you ran into a bit of injury. I know you'd had the UCL injury in college too. going Mm. through the UCL injury in college had it kind of prepared you to bounce back faster from the labrum and rotator or was it a totally different experience because you'd put more pressure on yourself because of pro ball?
1: Yeah, it was really a different experience to me. So I was an idiot, and I tore my UCL on my left arm playing basketball. Um, I dunked playing intramurals and came down to catch myself with my left hand and popped, and pretty sure that's the last time any ever, baseball player ever played intramurals at St. Mary. Um, and But I was only out for – I want to say I was only out for like three weeks because I – you, can get, you can get into this later. But I tried to redshirt that year, and I was like, I don't want to play. Like, I can't hit. Like, what? that's what I do. Like, I. that's why I was out conference. Like, this is mm-hmm. – that's kind of my thing. And he was like – my coach was like, no, you're just going to be a PO. And I was like <laughs> – like, because I can pitch. I just – I've always thrown hard. I just – I don't pitch. I throw, I guess, is a better word for that. Um, and so, that's what I did. So, I was still, like, involved. Like, I think I missed – I think I, I was three weeks away. I like missed three weeks without hitting at all. And the, but that next week, I just put, like, a J.J. Watt brace on my left arm, and, like, I looked like a robo arm up there pitching because so I couldn't extend my arm or anything. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't too bad for me because I only missed, like, a week or two. Um, when I tore my labrum, dude, I couldn't do anything for, like, I don't know, six months maybe. Like, I didn't know – this, the thought of me being like immobilized, like couldn't run, couldn't work out. Like I'm a very active person. Like I'm always doing something. And to the thought of like not being able to throw again, like I physically like couldn't do that. Like early on, like it freaked me out. Like I, yeah, and we talked about the anxiety and the depression of it was, and I got to a really dark place. like kind of that post-surgery where I don't know if I was gonna be able to do what I love most again. And what I love more than anything in the whole world, you know, is playing ball. And I got to the point where I was like, wow, well, I really don't know if I'm going to be able to do this again. And that was a really tough wall for me to get over um, and kind of talking to some, some other guys who've been through it to like, you know, we're the same way, but you just got to put your nose down. You got, you got to do your therapy and like, it'll get better. It'll get better. And like slowly, but surely it did. And I probably went back up to Canada probably a couple months too early because um, it was still hurting a lot. But the fact that I went from a point where like, wow, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again to, okay, well I can actually throw from second to first. <laughs> like, uh, it was just a, it was a weird experience for me. And I'm a very upbeat person. Like I don't get sad. Like I don't show my emotion like that. Um, but it, it hit me pretty hard when my friends and family were like, dude, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I am. It's just, it's weird. Like I'm, I'm thinking I'm losing the thing I love most in the world and I don't, I can't do anything about it. Like I just got to work. And, and thankfully, like I I worked and had some, some good people along the way, good therapists and stuff that kind of helped me. But, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a dark place and and, and different experience dealing with that for sure.
0: So obviously going through that to kind of keep yourself on top of a lot of that process, was there anything that you kind of leaned on? Did you kind of start reading more journaling um, did you lean on breath work or meditation or anything like that to kind of help kind of stay on top of that?
1: Yeah. I, uh, I guess kind of two things. I listen to a lot of music, man. And I'm a big music guy and I, music can change your mood like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely, definitely do would write down like my daily goals and stuff of, of, you know, what I got to do that day to get to the, you know, the end point of where I want to be. Um, and so I definitely, definitely use that that journaling stuff just day by day, every day, you know, type thing. And music was a big thing for me too. Just kind of, you know, if I was feeling a little down or whatever, you know, put in a couple of songs I knew would help me out. Um, but watch a lot of videos, listen to a lot of people talk about, you know, the comeback of it. And some people like, oh, I came back throwing harder. And I'm like, well, I hope that's me. <laughs> uh, probably not because <laughs> I had three tears in it. I tore my labrum, my bicep tendon and my rotator cuff. So I knew I wasn't going to come back throwing 95 over again. But, Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, just, just getting to the point where like, you know, I want to play catch with my my son someday or I want to play catch with my grandpa again or, or my dad. Like I just kind of those little things I would, I would write down the end goal and what I had to do to get there. And you know, that's what I, that's what I kind of did every day. And that's kind of what did I, I guess pride, pride myself on doing was just those little things to get to the big one. So.
0: And then obviously coming back from the injury, you play your second season in the IBL um, had a pretty successful run. You guys had a pretty good run into the playoffs. At what point did it kind of hit you that you're like, all right, it's time for me to move on. Or was it more push to like, it just, you're you wanted to keep going, but it wasn't kind of the the thing for you. Cause I think for a lot of people, they don't understand, like you said, you're having stress and anxiety less than a year, you know, previously, about maybe not being able to do it again to all of a sudden, what was it like to all of a sudden be like, yeah, I'm actually not going to do this anymore.
1: It just got to a point where like, it wasn't, it wasn't as fun, I guess, I guess for lack of a better for a term, it's just like, I was getting to the park and like my first season up there, like I'm the first one there setting up everything. I'm the last in the leave because I love it. Like I am, live, eat, breathe. I'm here all the time. Like this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And to the point where like like my injury played a little bit of a factor in it too. It's just like I would get to the field and i'm like like man, like how many ibuprofen do I have to take today to where I don't hurt during the game or I get done and I'm like I'm icing, like I'm doing stretches and then just the the monotonous of it the, the grind of it I, it was just eating at me, I guess. And I always told myself I would play as long as it made sense for me. Um and so when we kind of talked about early on, like, you know, I was going to grad school. So my, my schedule really was I would go to go to grad school from like August to May, pop up to Canada and play until like September ish, whenever, you know, we had to go to grad school again, pop up there and play in Canada. So back for that second season, um, I graduated with my master's degree and um, kind of had a job lined up when I got home. And it just it just kind of felt like the time, you know. It was it was I think God's way of stuffing me on the head and being like, "Hey, dude, like you had a good run, but like it's time to this time to do something else." And and I don't know if that was part of the injury or just the mindset of like getting to the field and being like, "Man, like it's not fun anymore." Um, and I still love baseball and more than anything in the world. And I love to talk about it. I haven't picked up a ball since I left Canada, which different level of story to get into but um would love to teach the game still love to talk about it i could i tell my mom all the time i was like there is not a bad seat in any baseball stadium ever i i can't go to a football game and like set up in the in the nosebleed i got to be down on the field but i can go to a baseball game and set wherever and i'm gonna have the best time um but that's just yeah my love had never really faded for it it was just i think it was just more of of god like i said thumping me on the head and being like hey dude like it's time to do something else. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a religious guy. I always have been. And, and I think God's got a plan for everybody. And I think that was his way of saying, you know, it's time to do something else and you, you, you did everything you could to get where you're at. And it just kind of, kind of happened that way. So. Mm.
0: And so obviously you got your bachelor of biology, what kind of leaned you on biology and then what made you transition to doing business administration and kind of leading away from, I guess, the sciences with biology.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, to be honest with you, I was really tired of science classes. <laughs> uh, I kind of, it was a grind, you know, um, in college, like in the spring, like, dude, I'm gone two, three days out of the week. And it got very monotonous. I so trying to catch up on the labs and the homework and like studying, like, oh, my friends are in sports management. They haven't studied in three weeks, but I'm over here <laughs> studying by myself for like three weeks hours a night um but i'm teaching st mary um they have a doctor program for physical therapy um and that's what i want to do so i was starting in biology and then like i said i was like my friends are like never studying this stuff i was like i want to go with i'm gonna do what they're doing <laughs> and went away from it kind of came back to it um, and i credit everything to my advisor dr mcintosh she was awesome uh, she would you know we got back late for baseball she'd be texting my phone like, Hey dude, you got a lab at nine. Like you gotta be here. You gotta be here. Um, and she would, I took a really cool story. We got back really late. I slept through everything on my phone, my alarm, her text, she kept calling me, kept calling me until I woke up, um, and found lab open late for me. Um, and I got to go and finish my stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's, she's awesome. I, I can't speak highly enough from her. Um, and she's from Scotland actually. So, um, just a, just a great person, a great woman, a great educator, um i can't speak highly enough about her but that's what i was gonna do was go to physical therapy school um and kind of got done with that last year and the pecos league was calling and like i was applying for physical therapy school and i knew i was gonna get in kind of based on my grades and stuff um and then i was like you know what i'm gonna go play i'm gonna go chase my dream that's what I got to do. I'm not going to live with that regret for the rest of my life. And um, kind of went through that. But I told my mom, um, I'd always go to grad school. I get my master's. So while I was kind of playing up there, um, I was going to school, doing a couple summer classes here and there just to kind of, you know, keep my master's degree on track. Um, so I still got my master's. Still think my mom resents me not being a PT a little bit. <laughs> um, but she knows that I'm extremely happy doing what I do now. Um, and, and so am I. So it, it worked out for the best.
0: And then, so obviously, just transitioning right off of that, you—what are you up to now? What are the the major things that are kind of taking up the the time and and yeah. replacing the time that you were spending doing
1: baseball previously? For sure, um, I think I work out more now than I ever did. <laughs> <laughs> for for once, um, but I guess the kind of the two other things too. Um, so I'm a territory manager for Hillspen Nutrition. So day in and day out, I'm in vet clinics for the most part um animal hospitals, you know, working with doctors with um kind of updating them. It's I do really mostly just dog and cat uh is kind of what I do. So this the food side of it. So we have two types of food. One just like your normal, you know, cat dog food, like wellness food, like healthy pets should eat this. Blah 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 And then we have another type of food where it's like it has to be prescribed by doctors because it's like it's a prescription essentially is what it's called. And so that's kind of one of my favorite parts of my job is I'll work with doctors and and they'll be like, okay, hey, well this animal has, you know, these symptoms, what do you have in your, in your prescription diets that, you know, will will cure. them? Um, and I get to tell them that, and I get to make dogs feel better and cats. Um, and that's, I'm a big dog guy, as you probably know, but yeah. uh, I think that's, that's so fun for me. I get to, I get to help animals feel better. And I wanted to be a vet kind of growing up, but I was, I always it would it would kill me being around them because they couldn't tell you what was wrong like you had to figure it out with with humans they could be like hey dude like my shoulder hurts like fix it um, and so kind of getting to like to be the voice like to kind of help them it, it just it's so rewarding I've, I've had some really good stories you know being around them, like you know they come in with kidney stones or something to eat this food and they they're good you know, like a month and mm-hmm. that's just that's it, something that I really enjoy um, and I couldn't think of a better job for me right now so. <laughs>
0: Going through the adversity of failing with baseball, whether it be getting rejected in the emails, getting rejected, you know, in different obviously striking out, not getting that hit in that moment, kind of, you know, beating yourself up. How has that helped you transition to what you're doing now? Has it just been an easy, like it, it probably made it a thousand times easier because you're like, Hey, well, I've failed so many times. It's just easy.
1: No, for sure. And like, I do have a sales aspect of my job too, because, um, like there's other brands out there that people use and that's fine. Um, I'm biased. We're the best, but you know, it's whatever, Uh, (laughs) but no, yeah, there's, I've had those conversations where like, you know, this is what I think you should do. And like, well, we're going to go, we're going to go this route. And I'm like, wow, i heard that before. (laughs) it doesn't really like affect me is, you know, I work with some people who are like, that really eats at them. They're like, well, why? And I'm like, I've been through that before. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, you got to adapt, you overcome. And and that's a big thing too, is like, especially when the world that we're in now, like working from home here and there, like you either adapt to what is going on around you or you die. And that is, I will live and die by that. Just it's, it's crazy. Like there's, there's um, people that I work with that are a lot older than me that, you know, technology has been a struggle for them working from home and stuff. And there's some people that are around my age that like they get it. Like, you know, they know how to get on a zoom call and like do this other people. They don't. Um, but yeah, no, I definitely, baseball definitely helped me with that. I mean, you know, as well as I do, you fail seven out of 10 times, you're in the hall of fame baseball wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I take that into consideration with what I do is, you know, trying to get this product in this, in this clinic, you know, if it doesn't work there. That's fine. It'll work somewhere else um but but yeah definitely overcoming um you know those those hard conversations well we're not gonna do that or we're going somewhere else it's something i've heard before so it's not like a big slap in the face to me it's like okay no worries like we'll we'll find a way we'll find a different way to do it right. um and i think that's really made me you know get a person i am in my job it's just i'm a competitor too so i i love those conversations of okay well why are you doing this let's do this to get better um and it's really, it's really helped me kind of, you know, become the person I am and where I'm at in my career with this. So.
0: And I think obviously, you know, that competitiveness, but also the, the understanding. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I always try to, whether, you know, doing the podcast interviews or different things like that is just trying to help people understand that no matter what you're doing, you're going to have to step outside your comfort zone. You're going to fail, but you're going to be better for it on the other side. Right. 100%. I know you do a lot of work with youth organizations and stuff. So what does that look like for yourself as well? And kind of how important is that knowing, um, obviously along the line, you had mentors, you had guidance, um, from different people that helped you obviously chase your dream and play for a little while. How important is that to give back to the youth and kind of help them develop as well?
1: You know, it's a a big thing for me. Um, kind of ever since I was in high school, I've always helped out with youth teams here and there. And like, as much as I love the game, I love to teach it too. Um, and that's something that I've always done whether it be football or, or baseball, um, just passing on what I've, but I've been taught cause I've had some really good coaches shout out to my dad, uh, has some really good people that I've been around, um, throughout, you know, little league growing up with, I just, it's, I don't know, it's really important to me to just kind of get back to that. And kind of one of the things I'm doing right now where one of my friends out in Oklahoma city does like, he runs this like nonprofit organization for some inner city kind of at risk kids. And we have this seven on seven football team that basically just kind of help these kids get noticed um, by colleges, which nowadays you can get signed off of playing seven on seven, which is crazy to me because you don't have on and you can't tell somebody's soft or not, but (laughs) anyway, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but no, and and just kind of being around those kids and, and seeing where they come from, uh, it's wild to me. I mean, I, I was very blessed. I came from a a really good family. Um, you know, never really had to worry about too much growing up. And then some of these kids we had at our trial, man, ain't had cleats. And just being around them and trying to be a good influence in them and telling them, you know, that, that these things are possible where I went and you know, where they want to go is just you gotta surround yourself with the right people and, and you gotta work hard. You gotta do the right thing. You gotta have good character. And those things I think kind of get lost in the show of, of recruiting and stuff now where I, I think people lose sight of how important it is to, to be a good person, to, to have a good character, to do the right thing, even when, it, even when it's hard, even when you don't want to do it, because it'll pay off on the end, like you're saying on, on, the, on the flip side of things. But I, I really do. I really enjoy being around little kids um, from, you know, all the way from like grade school, all the way up to, to high school kids. Um, that's something that, it's just been ingrained in me, I guess, because my dad's been a coach for so long. My, my grandma was in education. Um, so I guess I've always been around it. Um, but it's, it's definitely a passion of mine. I wish coaches got paid more so I could just do that. That <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> doesn't quite cut the bill with my lifestyle sometimes. So, uh, but definitely love to give back as much as I can, man.
0: And so obviously, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, where are the best places uh, via social media, email, anything like that? Where are the best places for people to get in touch with you at?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm going to look at my Twitter to make sure I get this right. Uh, But yeah, my Twitter and Instagram name is at G underscore Willie six. Um, Definitely reach out to me whenever, if you guys ever need anything. Um, I think we talk on Instagram a lot anyway. Um, But yeah, my email too is, is, uh, is G Willie G 14 at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to me for any questions With that. I'm always trying to help guys, you know, kind of get to that next level, whether it be, I know I've sent, you know, players to Jeff and stuff in Hamilton, just because, you know, guys want to play longer. And if you want to play you got to go do it because you're going to regret it if you don't. And, and you know that as well as I do, but, um, but yeah, definitely open to to help anybody out whenever I'm a, I'm a pretty open book as you know. So.
0: Yeah. And we'll finish with a, with a couple more things here for you, but uh, do you have any books or uh recommendation for anybody, whether it be podcasts? I know, obviously you talk about music. Do you have any like playlists that you would suggest to anybody? Obviously, coming out of 2020, there's a lot of people that went through, you know, a lot of different ups and downs, whether, you know, no matter where you're at in life, everybody was kind of impacted by how 2020 played out. Is there anything that you would kind of suggest, whether it be a playlist on Spotify, on Apple, whatever it is, a book, mm-hmm. a podcast, meditation app, anything like that to kind of help people stay up and um obviously mm-hmm. rock 2021?
1: Well, obviously I'm a fan of your podcast, so <laughs> you guys out real quick but uh but no i'm a mike studs podcast is is really good um and i've listened to him a lot and his perspective uh, on life is just it's very different from what i would ever have like portrayed him to think Mm -hmm. um but yeah i've I've definitely listened to him a lot he's really good too um the other one too i'm trying to think it's called a whole new ball game i think i was on that podcast um a couple weeks ago they're really really good Um, but I'm a big Morgan Wallen guy too. So you you can't ever go wrong. You listen to some Morgan Wallen. Um, but as far as, as far as books and stuff, I'm not a huge reader. I used to, when I was little, don't really have the time. I guess I don't make time now. Um, but no, I, I really do think it's just, it's day by day, every day is something that I really do live by. Um, you just do the right things, you know, every day and, and be a good person. And, write that stuff down that you want to get done that day or write down your long-term goals of, of where you want to go and, and do the things you need your actions throughout each day. That's going to get you to that point. Um, and I think is if you can win every day. Uh, you're, you're going to end up winning in the end. And I think some people just get so overwhelmed and so anxious of like the big picture and like where they think they should be. And <clears throat> you just, you got to go, you got to be yourself. And, and everybody has a different story. As you know, you and I both have different stories and we both pass crossed at one point anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I think it's, yeah, just every day, you know, you got to win each day and, and kind of go from there. But that's, that's kind of my mindset right now.
0: So running right off of that, actually, it almost answers the question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs) What would be the one major thing that you have experienced that has been successful for you or you've taken from mentors or anything that has kind of helped you kind of chase what you want your limitless possibilities to be?
1: I just be a good person. Um, I hear that from my mom all the time <laughs> uh whether it's her just tell me you know be a good person and just do the right thing or, or work hard it's just those those things they all kind of intertwine if you think about it um and, and i kind of grew up with that at a young age too where my mom was always like you know do the right thing even when it's the unpopular thing uh, and and those are you know i didn't always do that but uh, <laughs> yeah. those are hard to do at times so
0: yeah, I, I love it. I appreciate it a lot having you on, Grant. It's been good catching up for sure. And uh, we'll definitely obviously keep in contact. And if you have anything going on, I'll definitely do promotion on the, the podcast. Uh, if anybody wants to get in contact with Grant as well, I'll have all of the links in the show notes and um, have a few things there if you want to get in contact with them. really appreciate having you on, man. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thanks very much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, I hope you really enjoyed the show. I hope you're able to pull some great and amazing messages from everything that Grant was saying. And I really hope that each and every one of you is able to find some balance and some happiness during the whatever we're going through right now. Some people are calling it the Great Awakening. Some people are calling it the Transitional Shift. Whatever it is. But be aware of your energy. Be aware of how you're outputting that. Like I talked about before the interview, if I would have gone on my true perception of what I thought Grant was like, him and I would have never developed a relationship or a friendship. So, Truly, just be able to look at things from a different perspective. And if you're looking for something to kind of help change that perspective, I've been recently listening to the audiobook by Jay Shetty, and he talks about Think Like a Monk. It's in book form, but also in ebook form. And if you're looking for a way to listen to audiobooks and you're not a person that likes to read, Scribd is beyond amazing it's like netflix for books and i would definitely suggest checking that out so those both will be linked in the show notes the name of the book as well as checking out the scribd app and if you're looking for something to quiet your mind he talks about meditation and automatically when we think about meditation sometimes we think oh it's just sitting still and quieting my mind and he really dives into the tranquility but also the eccentric value of what that can do for each and every one of us If you're a person that is looking for finding some calmness, some stillness, or just finding some peace of mind during whatever each and one of us is going through, I highly recommend checking out that book as there's a lot of great tips and a lot of great things in there. So definitely have a look at that one. And as well, if you enjoyed the podcast today or if you have enjoyed the podcast in previous episodes, please head on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review as that goes a long way to being able to help me grow the show, as well as bringing on some amazing guests like Grant, I really hope each and every one of you have a great weekend and I'll catch you next week where I look forward to continuing down the road of limitless possibilities with each and every one of you.